listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, New Chapel. How's everybody doing today? Yeah, so good to see you. Second part of our series, Just Getting Started. If you receive one of those weeklies when you came in, take that out. By the way, when they're trying to hand you those weeklies, you know, I don't want you to treat this like you're at an old-style cafe, right? Where you're like, oh, no, none for me. I don't need any dessert. Grab that weekly. It helps you navigate through all of our church service. Say, uh-huh. Thank you for agreeing with that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me through to Matthew's Gospel, chapter Seven. Uh, this series that we opened up last week is really defining for all of us in the room the fact that God has a code that we are called to live by. Why has New Chapel survived? Why has New Chapel thrived and others have not? Why do certain families or individuals thrive in life and, and others seem to, to flander a little bit? Why does that happen? And, and I believe it is because of this code, these values, these distinctives that we are called to live by. Uh, we said last week, and I believe it, it's not going to be talent or personality or ability or our connections that are going to build a great family or church. It is because we have this code. And the families of New Chapel hold these truths so dear, so closely, that even if it hurt us, we would not turn our back on it. It's pretty significant, and over the course of the series, I want to bring these truths out for you. I had to turn to Matthew. I want to read for you out of Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Uh, these are the words of Christ. The Bible says this, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, say the words, does them, does them, does them, got to do something, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, they'll be like a foolish man. Everybody say, foo. You just visited my hometown. A foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and, and great was its fall. I want you to notice that the storm's coming. Storms are equal opportunity employers. They're coming to people that build their life on the rock or the people that build their life on the sand. Some people say, well, man, I'm facing a lot of hardship and I'm obeying God. I, I don't know. Maybe I missed it. Maybe God's trying to give me a sign that I'm on the wrong path. No, it actually might be a sign that you're on the right path because storms come to everybody and the devil hates your guts. But here's what I see. Jesus is presenting to us this concept. And that is, in so many words, we need to build our lives on the rock, the truth of his word. That's the code we've been talking about. Write it down. We are called to build our lives on a series of solid truths from God's word. That's the solid ground. Now, there are some people that have a code and there are some people who have no code at all. These are the people that we see that they make decisions, but the decisions are based on their feelings. Their decisions are based on convenience, what's popular. They'll do it if it doesn't cost too much. They'll do it if it's easy, if everyone else is doing it. And if they hit enough pressure in their life, they'll bend, they'll compromise. 
These are things I believe that we cannot do. And so here's the test. Question you have to ask yourself is, what am I going to do? Who am I going to be? Am I going to be a person that lives by this code? Because if you are, the Bible says that if you build your life on that rock, you'll last. You'll endure the storms of life. You'll get through them. They're coming. I'm sorry to tell you. Well, Pastor, why don't you be more positive? Y'all look at me. I'm positive. Storms are coming in your life. They come to everybody. But you'll endure all of that if you build your life on something strong. Say amen, somebody. Now, though I had a rough start in my life, though I did not come from the best stock, I will tell you that this code will change you. It's powerful. It can change you into someone who is dependable, who is trustworthy. The code will change you into someone who's an honorable person, who has the power to do something significant with their life. That's the power of the word of God. Now, sand is easily moldable. You you can take sand and make all kinds of different shapes. Uh, Some of you in the room, you are old enough to remember 30 years ago, there were things in American society that just everybody accepted that's wrong. And today, you see those things are are the courts of of public agreement. It's not there. Like They they can't land on what's true or false. And, And the question comes, well, did truth change? No, the reality is that society is built on sand. They, they build whole constructs of civilization on things that are subjective. And so it's subject to change. And you can only make it by with sand philosophy for so long. Sooner or later, sand philosophy will catch up with you. Because when storms come, here's what storms do. Storms are going to come, and you can, you can endure. You can outlast them. But storms will expose your foundations. You are not going to rise to the occasion. You are not going to be like, oh, well, if it really got hard on me, I'd really stay. You're not. That's superhero movies, okay? That's not you. You are not going to rise to the occasion. You're going to fall to the level of the code, the word of God, the rock active in your life. That's just true. And so we have to base our lives on that. And Christ conveys, build it. Build it on the rock. Sand is impressionable. But listen to me. The rock makes an impression on you. The rock changes you. The rock changes your mindset. The rock changes your deeply held beliefs. It does not change. So what makes one person endure and the other not? It's simple. It's a code to live by. It doesn't mean they're perfect. But when they're aiming at what God's word says, this, these principles, these distinctives, that's where success is found. And when the storms come, they'll endure. So the principle, the value, uh, the code that I want to bring you today, write this down. It's the title of today's message. We're a church that builds a big people. I never set out to build a big church. I don't need a bigger room to preach in. I believe it's coming. I don't need thousands of people to preach to. I'm happy looking at y'all. Y'all smile so pretty and you laugh at my jokes, which coincidentally is a sign of intelligence. (laughs) And, (laughs) And I'm good. But here's what I found. When you build a big people... They can't stop talking about it. There was a guy in the New Testament. He had leprosy, okay? He was a, he was a shut-in. People wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. And Jesus went up to him. Very interesting. He lays his hands on this guy, heals this guy of leprosy. And he says, look, bud, don't tell anybody about this. I did this just for you. And the guy says, okay, Jesus. Next chapter, he goes into Galilee. Hey, everybody, look at my skin. Jesus healed me. And he's screaming about it. And, and that's what happens. You build people up on the inside out, people are going to be like, you're not insecure anymore. 
you're not scary to talk to anymore. You're not so severe, harsh. You're, you're not recluse. You don't hide from us anymore. To holl- you know what I'm saying, everybody? Yeah. And people see that, and they want to be that too. We're a church that wants to build you. That's the vision here. We, we believe that when we build a big you, you're going to go find other people who need that same freedom. Say amen. Jeremiah 29, the Bible says this, for I know, God says, I know the plans I have. They are plans for good and not disaster. He always clarifies his plans. He says to give you a future. Say the word future Future. and a hope. In those days when you pray, I'm going to listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, say the word wholeheartedly, you will find me. I want you to see this. He wants to give you a future. Now, the church I grew up in, they were so happy. If you accepted Jesus, that was awesome. But, but it was like, what's the discipleship plan? And it was like, act right before you die. I think that's the whole discipleship on track. And I never want to discount being saved. I never want to discount being born again. You, you must be born again. It has to happen. When you're born again, that's where you have heaven. That's where you avoid a Christless hell. But listen to me. It is not just about eternity. It is about today. And God wants to save you, and he wants you to be born into this kingdom, but he has a future for you. He wants to give you a future and something you can put hope in. He wants to encourage you with what he has next. I found we don't get the best of God until we give God our best. If you just get saved and kind of come in every once in a while and hear the preacher and shake your head, amen, you know, and just... But if you zero in on God, if you are a God seeker, if you're on a journey, that's where you're going to see God's goodness. I'm a senior pastor. I want to take you on a spiritual journey. I'm so happy if you know Jesus, but I want to take you to a higher spot. And, And the way that that's going to happen is when you seek him in a wholehearted way. So the question I want you to ask yourself, maybe your spouse, your accountability partner is, how engaged are you in your faith? How engaged are you on this process of taking next steps? And, and here's where it is. You might be sitting next to somebody else, and you're looking down the row like, oh, man, that guy's spiritual. You know, he's here, and I'm here. I don't know. Here's what I'm telling you, Pastor. Whatever level he's at and you're at, I just want you to take the next step. I want you to, I want you to be engaged in every good thing that God has. I want you to just be saying, God, what do you have for me today? Don't f- try to figure out 10 years, the decade plan. God, what do you have for me today? And that whole idea of not just being saved, but being saved and growing in that, it is the Bible word discipleship. Write this down. I want to give us like a a working definition today. Discipleship is this idea. It's growing to be more like Jesus after the decision to follow Jesus. So like when you accepted Christ, you didn't just accept that he is Lord. Demons know that he's Lord and shudder, James chapter 1. It's that you said, I'm going to follow you. I give you my life. I make you my Lord, my boss. I'll do what you say. And so after you make the decision, I, I, sir, and acknowledge him as God, making Jesus Lord, then it's the follow-up. It's, it's the journey. It's you growing to be more like Jesus because you said you would. That's what discipleship looks like. You know the crazy thing about Jesus? Jesus did not seek after trying to build big crowds. Do you know what he did? He built big people. He invested in people. He gave them his code. He brought them freedom. And when that happened, the message was unstoppable. Can I hear an amen? Y'all with me this morning? So the question you have to ask yourself is, is have you grown since you accepted Christ? 
And if you haven't, it's okay. You're here. Take the step today. I want to show you this passage. It really shows this whole concept in living color. It's in Ephesians. If you wanted to turn there, you could. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read for you uh, verse 8 of Ephesians 2. The Bible says, It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Grace is when you get what you didn't deserve. Not to be confused with mercy, which is when you didn't get what you did deserve. <laughs> Grace is, is getting what you didn't deserve, and, and that's how we're saved. It's a gift of God, and the Bible says it's through faith. So it has nothing to do with you. You just have to receive it by faith. Like, I just, I, I received the package. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Here it is, not by works, so that nobody can say how awesome they are. So you can't work to get salvation. You can't pray enough to be right with God. You can't be good enough of a doobie. And I believe in good behavior. Listen, y'all need to act right, but, but that's not going to be the thing that makes it so you're saved or not saved. It's not your works that are the determination of salvation. Say amen, somebody. But that verse doesn't stop there. Verse 10 says this. Read it with me. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he, you're not saved by good works. Can't earn it. There's nothing you can do. But now that you're saved, he's saying, perfect. Now I want you to put some legs to your prayers. Now I want you to exercise those great things that I put inside of you, the gifts and the talents. God wants to use everything about you, the past that you're not proud of and the current reality that you're living. He wants to use all of it for his glory. Are you with me? And so we need to be people that, yes, we know that we're not saved by grace, but also lean into the fact that God has something for us. We don't do works to get saved. We do it because we're saved. Philippians, Paul said it this way. He says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and with fear. Fear there is not being afraid. It is a deep and severe reverence for God. He says, for God is working in you. He's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Keep that passage up there for just a second. I like how it starts. Work hard to show the results of salvation. So you've been saved. He wants to take you on a journey where you're able to display what he's done in your life. And then I like what he says here. God is working in you. And I guess maybe we could even put that like question, like are you allowing him to? Are, are you listening for next steps? Are you obedient when he's like, hey, do this? So God's working in you, and here's what he's doing. He's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Some of you, when I'm like, hey, you need to read your Bible and pray, you're like, I agree that I should do that. <laughs> but when the morning comes and the kids are up, or you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get ready for work or whatever, you're like, I'm going to do this later in the day, okay? Party foul. It's not going to work. I'm just going to tell you, like spoiler alert. But what happens is you don't want to. That's the truth. And, and, and I want to let you know, let's bring it into the light. That's normal. Any great thing God wants you to do, there's something about your flesh that's going to go, I don't know. You know. You're not going to want to until you do it. So he's, he's working in you, giving you the desire and the power. Once you do it, then you're like, hey, I needed that word because I'd done almost killed somebody and ended up on the news. Jesus, you know, like I needed that proverb. I needed that wisdom. I needed that message of love. And that's good. I need more of that. That's what happens. But it doesn't work until you do it. You have to do it in order to enjoy the benefits of it. It's like working out. 
You're not going to feel like working out until you work out. Dads, when you get home from work, you're not going to feel like playing with your kids until you play with your kids. And then you're like, this is great. Especially when you're like weighing it out, like, man, this takes a lot of time. What's cheaper, bail money when they're 22 or spending some time on the carpet? (laughs) Tweet that. And so... (laughs) I want all that God has for you. I want every good thing with God's freedom and and the identity he has for you, the purpose he wants to unfold in your heart. But look at me. I want all that God has for you, but you get a vote. In fact, you get the vote. You're going to be the door about what gets in. And and so you have to make the decision. Uh, I'm a dad, and and, uh, Kai and I are raising four children, three boys, and a perfect angelic being, my daughter. Perfect, beautiful, better than your daughter. And um, we're raising these kids. No, she's got flesh like the rest of them. And and, uh, we've hit a stage where now they think it's okay to tell me no. What? And so be like, hey, I need you to come and let the dog out. Like, Dad, no. (laughs) I grew up in the North Country where somebody would be like, go cut a switch. Anybody know what neighborhood I'm talking about? Yeah. And and so be like, hey, we want you to eat this food. And they're like, I don't want to eat that. We want you to come to the dinner table. I'm not hungry. Well, nobody asked you how you felt about anything. I don't care if you think you're going to eat or not. You will be eating. You're not going to leave the table until it's done. You know what I'm talking about? Because I'm a good dad. We have Frank so terrified that if he doesn't eat his broccoli, he thinks he's never going to grow taller than he currently is. If you tell him different, I'll kick you out of the church. He hates broccoli. When broccoli gets put in front of him, he's looking at me while he's eating. Because <laughs> he wants to grow up. I said, you better find a girlfriend that's short, you know. like. <laughs> and there gets to be these moments where you're like pleading with them. Like, oh my gosh. You know, you have to brush your teeth. I don't want to brush my teeth. Kaya has told our children that if they don't brush their teeth, that they're going to have teeth like, like Jim Carrey's Grinch with bugs in them. She told them that. She's lying. I can't lie to my kids, so I tell them that they're going to have teeth like the Joker, which I think is close. And, 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 and we're, trying to, we're pleading, we're screaming like, you have to do this. And as a dad, it clicked. The passage I'm going to read you all of a sudden made sense. Here's what it says. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they ain't going to stop. They're going to continue until Christ is fully developed. Say those words, until he is fully developed in your life. He's going through labor pains. A couple things that I see about this. Number one, Paul was definitely not married when he wrote this. That is rookie mistake. Guys, you never say that you understand what labor feels like because you're so stupid and you're going to get hit. Ladies, do you know what I'm talking about? Just saying, Paul, that way to go out on a limb. And then he says this, oh, my dear children. In other words, these are people that are saved. They're born again. They're in the family of God. He probably labored to convince them. And he's saying, boy, I'm so glad I did it, except this is so difficult. I am laboring. And I think it's going to continue until Christ is fully developed, until we start to see what's on the inside, on the outside. And he's pleading with them for that. Now, I told you, Kai and I, we have four kids. And uh, Kaya, she's just an angel, you know. And, and uh, when Kaya got pregnant, she was the most attractive pregnant lady in the whole world. I mean, like we had, you know, Pastor's Usher go and just shoo some of you dudes off. Like, okay, you've had your turn. 
back off, you know. Kaya looked good when she was pregnant. But Kaya is also a trooper, and, and she wanted to have natural birth at home. And so that means no aspirin, everybody, not, no tablets. We're not going to take, like, Tums, okay? Like, we're going to be natural when we do it. Okay, here we go. And Kaya, she's getting ready to deliver that baby. She'd be like, Joe, will you just rub me? And I start to rub me. She's like, don't touch me. You're picturing Kyle. Kyle just listened to you for hours. Let you tell your story. She's just been curling your hair. Loves you. Don't touch me. Kaya told everyone in the room that she thought, in so many words, that my parents weren't married when I was conceived. Now, she said it different, which they were. And Kaya's screaming. And I'm just thinking about our wedding day with this dainty little angel, you know, screaming. (laughs) yelling at me. Her nose got swollen. Her face is red. And she looked at me as though to say, you did this to me. (laughs) She's screaming, ah! And then she smiled. Ah, you get it. And so there's this labor where it's like, I want the best for you. I want you to be better. I see more for your life, New Chapel. I see more for your families. God has more. He's not done with you. I see more for this church. God has big things. Your greatest days have yet to be seen. I see more of it. And I'm, every week I'm coming up here like, why is he yelling? I'm screaming. I'm like, we got to do this. Let's take the hill. Push, right, push. And, and, and I see it. And we're so close to all of that. And why are we doing it? Because something's so precious is on the other end of all of that. Right? And so I want you to grow to be a big person. I want Christ to be fully developed in you. Four thoughts about that. Number one, write this down. Maybe an unsuspecting start, but I think you need to go public with your relationship with God. Go public with it. That's two things. A would be inviting other people that you know, friends and family to church, and B would be getting water baptized. You say, Pastor, why are we talking about water baptism? We just had a water baptism. A grip of people got water baptized because 100% of my church is not water baptized. You can read your Bible 27 times in the New Testament. Somebody will accept Christ, and right afterwards, the built-in immediate next step of obedience is water baptism. You say, well, Pastor, why do we have to do it? We shouldn't even ask that. He bled. You can get your hair wet. And I believe he's going to ask you to do something like that. You're like, well, I don't understand. I don't get it. It doesn't line up for me. And I think he wants to break you into Christianity with that sensation because that is a lot of what following God looks like. You feel like this is not the right way up the mountain. He's like, oh, yeah, it is. (laughs) See at the top, you know, like... And and so he builds this in. Acts 2.41, the Bible says those who accepted his message were baptized. You will never in your whole Bible read about anybody being an infant or a baby being baptized because it's not in there. And so we, we baptize people who have accepted the message, people who are of age to be able to make that decision. We also immerse people in water instead of sprinkling them because Jesus died and was buried in a tomb. He didn't fall off a cliff. 
He wasn't a raindrop. And so we immerse people. And here's what it is. It's a picture of what God has done. Why get water baptized? Why go public with our faith with water baptism? Two reasons. Number one, to demonstrate your changed life. You're showing everybody that there was an old you and he's dead. And in his place, you've been raised to new life in Christ. You're showing them in an outward way what God has done on the inside of you, that that old you is gone. And that makes it very handy for those people that are expecting the old you or expecting your old ways. It shows them what God has done. And then the second thing is it lets the whole world know that you belong to Jesus. Now, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. If you say, well, Pastor Joe, listen, I have a private faith. You are describing Eastern religion. You're not describing Christianity. There's no such thing as a private Christianity. Well, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to do it. None of that really matters to God. First Peter 3, the Bible says, in baptism, we show that we've been saved from death and doom by the resurrection of Christ. We're showing on the outside what he did, and it is something to be shown. Well, you can't show it alone. Don't try to book a private baptism here at New Chapel. Like, there's no love offering you can give enough for us to, like, cater it just you and your baby. Not going to happen. It needs to be shown, ideally, at least to your friends and family. But the best-case scenario is in front of your church family so we can celebrate with you what God has done. You need that encouragement. Amen, somebody? One way that you can think of it is it's kind of like the wedding band of Christianity. You say, well, Pastor Joe, you don't always wear a wedding band. That's true. I was power washing one time. I'm country as cornbread. I blew it off. It was a great day because I don't like wearing all kinds of jewelry on my hand. (laughs) But I bought Kaya a nice ring. I bought Kaya a good ring. And it lets everybody that looks at her know, look at that ring. She belongs to Joe. You say, well, Pastor Joe, that sounds very possessive. Lord, yes, it is. I'm possessive. You seen Kaya? (laughs) She's possessive of me too. You just watch. She'll run you out the church if you start talking to me crazy. I'm possessive of her. She's possessive of me. But listen to me. Jesus is possessive of you. And what you're doing is you're showing, like this doesn't make you married. No, but it shows everybody that you are married. Baptism doesn't make you saved. It shows everybody where you stand with it all. Say amen, church. What are you saying, Pastor Joe? Something pretty simple. You need to get baptized today. You do it today. Well, I think that there's a better time for me to do it. Maybe I could wait. Pastor Joe, I'm going to be uh, going home. I got a roast in the oven. We're meeting somebody for lunch. Y'all look at me. I give you permission right now. I give you permission. Text them. Tell them, Pastor Joe said, you're going to be a little bit late. I'm telling you, he gave his life for you, and you just need to get wet. Show your friends and your family. If you are a husband and you've never been baptized, this is the worst church to attend because I will blow you up every time I talk about baptism because you need to lead your family in this. You want your kids to not be hooked on drugs? Get baptized. During our prayer meeting on Monday, something hit me. Just before you get ready to deliver something great, the water breaks. And that's a sign of what's happening here at New Chapel. The water is broke. Write it down. You also need to invite someone to church. I'm not going to spend any time to speak of on this, but let me put it this way. Uh, back to school is one of these times of the year where people are getting back into the swing of things. They want to start up at church, and they are waiting for you to invite. Like, just reach out, say, hey, I'll meet you at church, 
and you can make a real difference. Go public with your faith. Number two, got to press on. If you want to see Jesus develop in your life, if you want to become a big person, you need to spend time with God. Write it down every day, every single day. God would so much rather talk with you a few minutes every day than all day every once in a while when you get into trouble, when something bad happens. You're like, oh, God, you know. He'd much rather be talking to you on a regular basis. In Psalm 5, it makes it so clear, and this is the only way that it makes sense to me. Psalm 5, the Bible says, in the morning. Say that with me, in the morning, yeah. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. If you don't carve out time early in the morning before everything else, except coffee, I give you absolution on that. Uh, If you don't do it before everything else, you're going to be like, God, I'll hit you back at the end of the day. God, you keep on kicking the can down the street. You'll get finally home from work. The kids are in bed. You ate your meal. Now you're just kind of like woozy from eating too much. And a new shark tank come on. You're like, God, you know. You know? (laughs) If you don't do it in the morning, look at me. You're not going to do it because I can't do it if I don't do it in the morning. Now, I have a simple way that you can do it in 15 minutes. In fact, throw that up on the screen. You can do this so easy. I... Honestly, I spend an hour with God every day, and I'm not putting that on you. But some of you don't have any time, and it's a shame because your life would have so much breakthrough if you just had 15 minutes. So spend five minutes reading God's Word. If you're new to the Bible, start reading the first chapter of John, and then there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. It's like in the middle of your Bible. And I just read whatever the date on the calendar is. You know, I'm going to read that number of the Proverbs, and I read that little chapter. You can do that in five minutes. If you miss a day, here's my little life hack. Don't make it up. Just keep on reading. If you feel like you have to make it up, you're going to miss three days, and then you're going to stop reading altogether. If you actually want a lifestyle where you spend time with God, if you miss the 14th of the month, forget it. You'll hit it next year. It's okay. Be free. God would much rather just spend that time with you. Don't try to make things up when it comes to Bible reading. Spend five minutes of worship. I mean, Belonging Company, the the shortest song that they have is five minutes. Uh, Prayer. Some of you uh, were so helped by this, you let me know about it. Two, three weeks ago, we preached a message on prayer. Actually, the only singular message on prayer I've ever preached in my ministry. And we gave you the acrostic, P-R-A-Y, praise, repent, ask, yield, and I've heard from you. It helps so much. That can help you to spend five minutes in prayer. Spend 15 minutes with your God. You need that. And you're going to go into that, and you're going to get wisdom for the day. You will not feel like doing it when you start and then you'll feel like doing it. Amen, somebody? Number three, got to press on. Uh, Let's choose the right relationships, the right ones. Uh, So when I accepted Christ, I was a senior in high school. I was drum major of the band, which, by the way, halftime is game time. Uh, I I was student body president. I was director of the school plays. Like, I was in a lot of positions, but I also like lived a double life. I, I had this public appearance that people saw, but then I was, I was wild. And every bad thing that I ever did, look at me, maybe this is your story, it was either staying the night at someone's house or in the backseat of a school bus. Can I have a witness? <laughs> and so I remember when I accepted Christ, I was like, I got to change this. And here's why. Proverbs 13, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of foos suffer harm. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15. Read the Bible like that. It'll also make it a lot more fun. 1 Corinthians 15. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. If I was to put both of those together, I would say this. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. 
I knew I didn't want to throw these people under the bus. Many of them I just loved. So when I was drum major, we would be running drill. If you don't know what that is, you know, the band, marching band, makes all those big pictures on the field. And uh, running drill takes a long time. You have to stand in place. And I went to each and every person, because they were a captive audience, and I witnessed to everybody in that band, one by one. And in essence, if they didn't let me talk or lead them to Christ or invite them to church, if they weren't at least in for it, I kind of wrote them off. Because I'm not Jesus. I don't need to see them through everything. There's only a couple people I probably could have that type of impact with. And I knew as a young person, I needed to have the right relationships in my life. And so it was, I didn't say it this way, but it's like, kind of get right or, or I got to let this relationship go in my life. And for some of you, you're new to church, you're new to Christ, you feel so lifted when you come here, you're on fire. When you do spend time with God or listen to a worship song, there's a lift, but then you get around those old voices and they expect old behavior. And so you slip into the old you and you know that's not even you anymore. You don't even feel like doing it. You used to save up money to sin. Now you're like, I got bills to pay. I don't know what y'all do. You know, like <laughs> you're going to have to make a decision about the relationships in your life. And here's the good news. With every death in Christ, it's followed by resurrection. So you might have to say goodbye to some relationships that aren't good for you, but God will bring in the right relationships. Amen. amen. So you need a relationship, two things that, that I would bring out. Number one, you need a relationship with a local church. So some of you used to bar hop before Christ, and now you church hop. You're going to go check out what we're doing, and then you're going to go to Res Life. You're going to go check out the point, and then you're going to go check out AABC and see some of the charts that Jeff Mannion's going to put up. And you're hopping, and you look just like your enemy. And what you need to do is you need to say, God, show me where my family is, where you're calling me to be. You don't choose your church. Jesus chooses your church. If you're supposed to be at ABC, I will sign you a good letter of membership and get you off to where you're supposed to, because you're not supposed to be here. But if you're supposed to be here, the Bible says this in Psalm 92, 13, those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. You need to be planted and you need to flourish. We need you to flourish when you get out into the courts of everyday life. So you need a local church. You can join the church any week at New Chapel by going to New Chapel Connect. That's where you find out our vision and mission and what we're doing. It's held during both services. You also need a relationship with a small group. Church is rows. Church is also circles. And if you limit church to just something you do on Sunday and not other relationships that you have during the week, you're robbing yourself. You need somebody in your life to be connected to where a small group that you can be discipled. You need a place where you can have real relationship with people that are like-minded, where you can study Bible curriculums and pray with people and grow and have accountability. If you're having a bad day, they know it. If you skip out on church for too long, they're calling you like, where are you at? You doing all right? You hear me, everybody? You need somebody that cares. And as big as this church gets, we're going to build it relationally because that's the key to all of that. Got to press on. Now, you need a relationship with the team. And the next thing I'm going to tell you, it's going to solve more problems in your life than you think. Number four, write this down. You need to make a difference in the life of somebody else. You need to make a difference in the life of somebody who can't pay you back. That's what's going to help you. The solution to all your problems is not just finding the solution to all your problems. The solution to your problems is finding something that can be in your life that's bigger than your problems. In a word, a rock that's bigger than the storm. You need something, a milestone, a set point 
where it's like, whatever that's going on at work, whatever that's happening, where I feel age to date, where I'm, I don't know about that, but I'm making a difference here and that matters in my life. Say amen, somebody. And you go talk to the GO team and they'll tell you. They are worshiping a service and they're also uh, going and serving a service. And they'll tell you that the service that they go and serve at is more worship to them than the other. Write this down. We're spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. The GO team are those people that are serving the city and pouring you coffee and taking care of your kids and playing guitar on stage and opening the door for you. These these just normal people. They're not elder, deacon, bishops. It's not like that here. They're normal people just like you, and they're holding a door open in Jesus' name. And I'm telling you, it's fulfilling. It fulfills like something else can't. I can teach you about fulfillment. I can teach you about serving. But there's something about your Christian walk you'll never get until you're serving someone else that can't pay you back. You have to do it to want to do it. You have to do it to get it, and you won't get it until you do it. So what do you do about it, Pastor Joe? Well, you do it. <laughs> you do. <clears throat> Deeply profound. <clears throat> New Chapel is growing like a weed. It took six years of this church, and it was really everything we were doing is trying to sow into the people God gave us, and we were faithful to them. And when 2020 happened and Nebuchadnezzar shut us down, they didn't shut New Chapel. We stayed open, and it wasn't popular with some, but I met so many of you, thank God. And so many families came afterward because they heard that we were a church that emphasized the family, that we're strong on it. And they heard that we had principles. They heard about this code. And I've met so many of you, and it's so amazing. Since 2020, 2020 was our secret sauce. Even imagine a church saying that, but it was. And the truth of the matter is we've grown from, from last year, summer 2022, to summer 2023, we've grown by 41% year over year. You say, Pastor John, I don't like talking about the numbers. Listen, God likes talking about the numbers. Like on that day where they all got baptized, there were 3,000 that got saved. I have four kids, not in between three and five. There's a whole book of the num- uh, Bible called Numbers, and God emphasizes it because they don't tell the whole story, but they tell part of the story. Earlier this year, we said, hey, we got to move the stage back. We got to buy more chairs. We're asking for support. You guys came through. Pastor's friend bought all of these new chairs. We moved the stage back. We added more seating in the sanctuary. And every single solitary week, we break the 80-20 rule. What is that? It's when you have less than 20% open and vacant, it's hard to find a seat. So we'll have a big Sunday where almost 400 people come here. And then the next Sunday, we kind of bottom out. It's like, what happened? Well, it's hard to park. It's hard to check your kids in. Hard to get a cup of coffee. Hard to find a seat. Hard to check your kids out and hard to get out of this place. And it's all exasperated when there's a show next door. And so I'd love it if you got excited about this. I am happy to announce starting September 10th, New Chapel will be going to three services on Sunday morning. Are you excited about it? <laughs> now, here's what I love about this. Uh, we took our 9 o'clock and our 11 o'clock service, and we only moved them by a half an hour each. In fact, the band doesn't have to come in any earlier. They're only going to have to leave 30 minutes later than they normally do. 
And so uh, we also, I want to let those of you that are on the Go Team know, please don't skip out on our Go Team rally point after the service because you're like, whoa, most of you are going to be sitting one and serving one. I say most because some of you have already come to us and said, hey, I know this is coming. Let let me know because I'll serve two and I'll worship one. But most people will be able to sit one, serve one. Well, Pastor Joe, isn't this going to break up our family? No way. There was a day, believe it or not, where churches could not imagine having two services. Now, rank and file of any evangelical church has two services. This isn't going to break up our family. It's going to make room, and it's really an act of love to show hospitality to those people who are yet to come to church, and I'm excited for it. Wow. You say, Pastor Joe, what do we expect to gain from this? I believe, mark me, before the end of this year, I believe before Thanksgiving, we'll be a church of 500 people every single weekend. It'll happen. Well, what then? If that happens, when we get to January, we'll have to figure out, do we go to two Saturday night, two Sunday morning? I don't know. But who am I to stop the blessing of God? Who am I to say there's no room, we're all out? Are you with me, everybody? I I think it's important. Now, here's the good news. We have everybody that we need to be able to pull this off. And here's the better news. Some of you are going to sign up today. When you leave here today, you're going to see our Go Team uh, Fair. It's out both out of our both uh, family and main entrance. It's also inside our main Cafe Commons area. And that is a spot that you can talk to somebody who serves on a team. You can sign up. It's going to be happening this week and next. I believe this. We are going to grow our team by 33%. And I also believe that we will be a church of 500 because we are people that care And we're a church that's for people to connect with God and to be raised to new life in Christ. And we're going to make this investment. Amen? And so this does not start until September 10th. And so if you show up next week at 830, you done just join the GO team yourself. And so uh, with that, why do we do this? Ephesians 2. Because we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We live by a code. We base our life on the rock, the the bedrock truth of God's word. And we want to grow you to be a big person. So take your faith public. Be a person that spends time with God. Get in a group and make the decision to serve somebody who can't pay you back. And when you do that, you'll become all that God has called you to be. And when you get to that spot, you're serving, you're at a group, you'll be able to say this. Hey, Pastor Joe, we're just getting started. Amen, New Chapel. You bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I pray for my church. God, I pray that you'd move in hearts and lives. Many people are challenged to take their next step. God, I pray that they'd be bold enough to do it. And Lord, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, help me to find them in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed just for another minute. You listen to my message today and you say, Pastor, my life's not right with God. My friend, I understand. I've been there. I know that feeling well. The only way to have your life right with God is through his only son, Jesus. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And when you make him Lord, boss over your life, yes, you'll have eternity in heaven. You'll avoid hell. And on the same token, you'll, you'll be able to say, I have eternal life today. The joy, the peace, the resolve you're looking for, it's found on the other end of amen. Church, I want you to pray this with me, and I want you to pray it with those people who are saying the prayer for the very first time. Pray it out loud with me. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You said in your word, if I would call Jesus Lord, I would be saved. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name. Amen, somebody. Give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hallelujah. We're going to three services in September. What the world. I want to pray for you. I love you so much. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, go sign up to be on a team. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.